the volume. The J-Boy Show is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet all the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. Uh, there's one. Uh, there's many reasons why I like using it. I mean, betting on the NFL, they're America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. But I love the fast payouts. I'm huge on that, and you get it as quick as two hours. That's tough to find and even harder to beat. Uh, and, you know, the convenience of it, you know, that there's a lot going on. There's a lot of games, whether it's live betting, whether it's betting before the games, you know, the spread, or you're taking the overs, the unders, they make it unbelievably easy to use. And the boosts, the odds, the specials that they run uh, are unbelievable. You get risk-free bets and same-game parlays. You get enhanced odd markets and a ton more. It's just a win-win for everybody. And if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now and sign up with the promo code JBOY. That's J-B-O-Y. Let them know that I sent you. 21 and older and present in Arizona. Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Live from the College Football Hall of Fame, welcome to the J-Boy Show on the volume. Presented by FanDuel and hosted by Jake Crane. This is Roman Harper. This is Derek Stingley Jr. This is David Pollock, and you're watching the J-Boy Show. And you're watching the J-Boy Show. So thanks for watching the J-Boy Show. All right, we are one day away from Thanksgiving. Got some college football tomorrow as well. Thank you guys for joining us uh, live here in Atlanta from the uh, College Football Hall of Fame here in downtown. This is the J-Boy Show. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Subscribe to the Volume YouTube channel on YouTube. Turn the notifications on. Hit that like button. And as always, shout out to the Booster Club, the greatest grassroots movement since astrology. I don't know. We're just going to keep coming up with ones every week. Got a great show for you today. Had the top, uh, you know, our college football playoff ranking release yesterday. I'm going to talk about the Cincinnati situation again, and then I hit it from kind of a different point that a lot of people aren't really talking about. Lance Taylor is going to join us from Next Round Live. We're going to talk Rivalry Weekend, uh, some Auburn, Alabama as well. The Iron Bowl kind of parlayed into that. Then his thoughts uh, generically on what's going on in college football. Then James Franklin got absolutely paid through 2031 who got the better end of that deal i can go ahead and tell you who Uh, it's amazing this time of year how the price gets driven up then bruce pearl they're playing uconn right now up 24 23 last time we checked uh we're gonna get him in here at about 340 should be around about about halftime i'm guessing of the auburn uconn game had a great talk with him earlier you're not gonna want to miss that then john parker wilson former alabama quarterback is going to join us preview the iron bowl talk about keys uh for each team going into this game so a really good show and then of course our bets for tomorrow i do want to let everybody know we will not go live tomorrow or friday we have pre-recorded stuff ready to go uh, keys to victory which is a better rivalry a bunch of stuff for you guys to tap into so you don't miss it but we won't be going live tomorrow and obviously the audio will be up on apple podcast spotify iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your podcast now I want to start Cincinnati, as we know, one of the biggest stories in the country in the world in the history of the world they're number four right now in the playoff They put Michigan 5, Notre Dame 6. And if you followed this show at all or followed me at all, you know that I don't believe Cincinnati's one of the top four teams in the country. I don't. I still don't. Looked really good against SMU. They did. SMU was down their top two wide receivers. They play East Carolina and then Houston in the American Championship game. And if they went out, they're most likely going to be in. Really good chance they're going to be in, especially since I think Alabama's going to lose to Georgia in the SEC Championship. So at this point, 
I'm almost de facto putting them in there. The question now is, how's Notre Dame going to sneak in this year? Yep. Because <laughs> you got Oklahoma playing Oklahoma State. We'll go over that scenario. You know, you look around, you got Ohio State playing Michigan. There's a lot of ways for Notre Dame and Cincinnati to sneak in this playoff, which to me, we might as well just let, you know, if it's Georgia and Ohio State, just let them play each other. Just don't waste our time. My thing is this. For everybody that makes the argument that Cincinnati needs to be in, that they just need to, forget merit, that they just need to. My question is, to what end does that accomplish? Because one of two things are going to happen. Since let's say since he gets in as a four seed and they play Georgia, not Georgia in a one-off bowl game where six of Georgia's best players are sitting out because they're going to the NFL, an actual game where it matters for Georgia. Either they're going to get blown out, which I think would happen by 25 or more, or I guess you would just think that they'd somehow pull a miraculous win off. I'm telling you, they wouldn't. So what would happen is Cincinnati would lose by 25 or more, and then where are we in the conversation? Then where are we? Back to exactly where I've been the whole time. Now, if you want to make the argument, and some people have, that Georgia would blow out anybody in that four-seed spot, I can take that a lot more serious than the argument that, well, since he just needs to be in, for no other reason than they just need to be in. So let's talk about how this movie's going to end. Cincinnati will probably beat East Carolina, and they'll probably find a way to beat Houston. I don't know. Houston's top six players will be out or something. (laughs) They'll find a way to beat Houston. Then they'll go in as the four seed. They'll play Georgia as the one seed. They'll get beat 48-13, maybe. Maybe worse than that, depending on what Kirby wants to name the score. And then we will legitimately be right back in this situation. There's one answer, expand it to 8 or 12. Yep. Expand it. There's one answer. Because this argument, it's a, it's a circle. If you haven't realized it, it's a circle. Let's let Cincinnati in. They get beat to death. Then next year, if it's four, you're going to hear the same thing. Let them in. Let the group of five teams, let them in. There's only one way to fix it. Because people are dug in on either side. Either you believe Cincinnati should be in, and there's multiple reasons people believe that. Some people believe they legitimately are good enough to be a top four team, which I disagree with, but I can understand you arguing that. What I can't understand is that I I literally was eating at a sports bar the other night, sitting there minding my own business, and, and I hear a conversation to the side, and it's, an, it's the Cincinnati argument. And the, and the guy says, literally, verbatim, Cincinnati just needs to be in because they need to be in. That is a horrible argument. You don't get participation trophies because it's a cool story. So, let's play it out. Y'all want to see? Let's see then. Put Cincinnati in at the four, and I'd almost feel, I would almost rather... Cincinnati make it as the three. So then they can play the number two, and then when they get blown out, it makes the argument that much stronger. But there's only one fix for this. There's only one way to bring everybody together. That's to expand it. That's to expand it. Because you want to give Cincinnati a chance? Put them in as the the nine seed. Let them play the six seed or whatever. There you go. That'd be a better game. But we're talking about a top four. Then you say, okay, Jake, who should be in there in front of them? If Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, wins the Big 12 championship, you got to put them in. You got to put them in. If Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State, wins the Big 12 championship, you got to put them in. But what, what I'm afraid is about to happen is the ultimate nightmare that Blaine's talked about. He said it's going to happen. Is that all of a sudden Bama loses to Georgia. Yep. Bama's out of it. Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma or Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State and they lose to Baylor or whoever they play in the Big 12 championship game. 
Ohio State beats Michigan, loses to Wisconsin in the Big Big Ten Championship game. And now we're going to sit here. You want to talk about crazy then. We're going to start arguing over two lost teams, and you could legitimately have a scenario where you have Georgia as the one, Cincy as the two, Notre Dame as the three, and they put Bama in at the four with two losses if it starts getting down to two losses. Because I've told you from the beginning, if it's a two-loss argument, Bama's getting in. Bama's winning that. for sure. It's not even close. So then you'd actually have a Bama-Georgia rematch of the SEC championship and a rematch of Cincinnati versus Notre Dame, and then the winner of that gets to play Georgia or Alabama and get destroyed. You want to talk about an argument? You want me to give you an argument? Two-loss Ohio State versus two-loss Bama. That's an argument. But for the people that want to sit on the side of Cincinnati and say, well, they need to be in because it's a good story and it'd be fun and it'd be cool. That's not what this is about. That's the wrong message. If you truly believe they're a top four team in the country, let's have that argument. Let's have that argument. Me and Tim Brando did. Tim Brando said he thought since he could beat Alabama. I respect that argument much more than the, well, let's let him in because, you know, we didn't let UCF in and this and the other and everything's not fair and I got to work a nine to five, but it's not fair because, you know, this guy doesn't. Look, that's not what this is about. So for the people that are making that argument about Cincinnati, let him in at the four. Let him in at the four. And let's see against Georgia because I promise you, if we don't expand the playoff, next year we'll be right back here having this exact same argument. And people that say, oh, well, if you go to eight, then the ninth, the ninth and the 10th team are going to argue. Or if you go to 12, the 13th and the 14th team are going to argue. Well, that's going to happen. But we're talking about four. Yeah. Four. The top four. And it scares me to death that we're going to let somebody in. And the playoff committee just threw their hands up. They threw their hands up. All right, y'all want them in? Put them in at four. But I'm telling you right now, if they go in at four... And you know who you are. If Cincinnati goes in at four or three and they get blown out, I don't want to hear any more about it. I don't want to hear about it again. You put all your chips in the middle of the table. And we'll see. And if Cincinnati plays it close or wins, I'll be the first one to come on here and say I was wrong. I'll be the first one. I'll lead the parade. Put me on the float. I'll wear the hat. I don't care. But I'm just telling you, it's like a circle. And until we expand it, It's going to keep being that way. But you cannot convince me that Cincinnati is the fourth best team in the country. But you know, at this point, I'm almost ready to wash my hands. Let them play then. Let them get beat. Let them get beat down, and we'll see. What do you think? Well, it's a simple math problem, right? I mean, how many teams are in the NFL? 32? Mm -hmm. How many make the playoffs? What is it now? Eight to 12? Yeah. You know, something like that. I mean, that's a third of the league, right? fighting for a championship. I mean, here we have four times that many teams, 120-plus, trying to get one championship in four spots. And what I've been saying is there are never more than – we have never seen more than three teams, really, be able to be the best team in the country. We had seen situations where more than two teams could be national champion. That's why the BCS system didn't work. That's why the four-team playoff, to me, has worked in terms of crowning the definitive champion. What you've said is there's a parity issue, right? And if we go to eight or 12, that then that would help recruiting and you would see more of these programs, you would solve the opt-out problem, which still 
vexes me why kids are opting out of bowl games, which when you and I were growing up yeah. was the holy grail and, of the And there are some circumstances where I get it. Like, if I'm a top 10, look, if I'm a top 10, top 20 pick, first round pick, and I came from nothing like and Bosa. I got four, yes. Remember Nick Bosa, when he got hurt, tried to come back for Ohio State? He's going to be the top three pick, right? And he tried to come back. Derek Brown was played injured. for Auburn in a meaningless yeah, bowl game. For sure. You have to make life decisions. I get that. That's a professional decision. But what I'm saying is it's a simple math problem. You have four times as many teams as you do in the NFL or the MLB, right? And so you either need a group of five championship. Remember, we used to have the one AA championship. Mm-hmm. Georgia Southern won like five of them. Appalachian State's won, you know. Or you need to expand to eight or 12. And I've been a 14 playoff guy, but if this is going to help college football and it's going to be more entertaining and it's going to be better for the sport, then just go ahead and expand. Let these teams make the playoff and we'll play it out in the postseason. Yeah, and, and I do I do want to explain. There's been a lot of parity in college football this year. You got the super seniors coming back. Yeah. You got the transfer portal and that's helped. What I'm talking about is parity where te- multiple more teams can win it. What I'm talking about is true parity for the championship. Being able to, to go in there, like, like I said, you make the playoff, that tape is invaluable. That's huge for NFL scouts, this, that, and the other, huge to raise your profile, you're able to go in and get some more of these defensive ends and offensive tackles and some of these guys that Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State have been monopolizing. You look at Texas A&M making a move now. It gives another arrow in the quiver, and you can start getting some of these guys and give yourself a legitimate chance to win a championship. Because I'm with you. We have not had over four teams in a long time that had a possibility, and I may be overshooting it at four, but uh, that have had a possibility to actually win a championship championship by expanding it in my opinion you are now helping every team out and recruiting even more you mix that with the transfer portal and now you see you see maybe two or three more teams a year that start popping up that can actually win a championship because they're good enough up front what I don't want to get in the habit of is saying all right well this fourth spot we already know that there's only three teams that can win it so just let somebody in because they got a cool mascot Mm. or it's a cool story like Notre Dame like Notre Dame that's exactly (laughs) right and Danny Cannell had a great tweet and I want to get to the boost club in a second he said if I'm Notre Dame, why wouldn't I call and schedule, try and schedule like a BYU or a high-ranked team during the conference championship week to be able to give myself a chance? Because them not playing in the conference championship, unless there was total carnage like I talked about earlier across the college football landscape, they're going to be out. Well, would they schedule that opponent after the season, or would they do that preseason? Because that's well, part I think of it. It'd have to be a preseason thing. Well, no, we and, saw last year, which again could run into the problem that they already have. We saw last year Coastal Carolina just called somebody up and was like, "Hey, I want to play Saturday," gotcha. and they said yes. But this would have to be a preseason season move but you know how you fix all of it join a damn conference <laughs> that's how you fix it what's the booster club saying oh we got a question here from tyler fidel all right he says hashtag ask Jable, if bama beats uga and oklahoma state runs the table does cincy still get in Ooh, that is the worst case scenario for cincinnati so if bama beats georgia i mean you'd obviously have both bama and georgia in those two are in oklahoma state wins the big 12 you gotta ha- you got to me you gotta put them in and if Ohio State, another add-on, Tyler, if Ohio State handles business and runs the table, Oak State or Oklahoma handles business and runs the table, and Bama beats Georgia, Cincinnati may not get in, and then you would see all hell break loose. Yeah. But before all hell breaks loose, you want to get Lance Taylor in here? Yeah, and I would say in that scenario, you're not going to see Georgia and Alabama be the one and the four. No. Because if there's a rematch, they would want it to be the national title Where rematch, would you not put, the semifinal. Would you put Bama one, Georgia two, or Bama one, Georgia three? That's you couldn't question. put Georgia in front of Bama if they beat them straight you up. Can't do it. We've been saying this whole time, they've right? Done it. They've been honoring. Well, yeah, I yeah, don't know. I mean, that's a great question. Done it. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great question. There is precedent. But all right, let's get Lance in here. All right. Lance, what's up, man? Jake, what up, man? How are you? 
Doing good. Very festive background behind you. I love it. Got the, the Christmas tree with the white flakes. It's almost that time of year, man. You ready for Thanksgiving or what? Yeah, man. Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday just because of the uh, the overindulgence of food, bourbon, red True. wine, um, pale ales, IPAs, everything, all the bad stuff for you. I'm looking so forward to it. Yeah, the girlfriend got a hold of our set like two no, weeks ago. No, she didn't work. So this was, you, you think it's festive now? Jake, uh, this was two weeks ago, and everybody in our building's like, what in the hell is going on there? But it's been good. Well, well, Lance, speaking of Thanksgiving, I don't want to digress too much. I know that people want to hear about football. But as I get older, I'm starting to enjoy Thanksgiving more than Christmas because when you're younger, everybody buys you the presents for Christmas. Now for Thanksgiving, you know, as I'm getting older, I have to buy the presents for Christmas. It's not nearly as cool. <laughs> I can't wear the onesie anymore. And uh, Thanksgiving, you can just shove your face and drink a lot of, uh, let's say, cold sodas, as we call them, uh, Lance. I agree, man. I, the thing I learned about Thanksgiving, though, is I like to host. I don't like going anywhere. When you have the little kids, yeah. you got to you, you typically have to go. Uh, but now I host and I get everything catered. So I, I still am spending money, but I'm not spending nearly the amount that I'm spending for Christmas. And I think Thanksgiving, I mean, just a day full of football. Typically Christmas, what we get an Aloha Bowl or something. Yeah. Um, I guess certain <laughs> Sundays we get an NFL slate. But to me, Thanksgiving is just I mean, it's just everything awesome. It is, and, and catering, look, it's it's not a bad move. It's efficient. I mean, especially nowadays, trying to get a turkey, you got to steal the Declaration of Independence and squirt some lemon juice on the back of it to find one. But I, Lance, I will tell you, the only thing that sucks, it, it sucks about Thanksgiving, and I don't know if you do this, we always have to work on Black Friday because of the Iron Bowl, yeah. and so we don't get that day off. And there was like a two-year period they decided to put the Iron Bowl on Friday, and every Alabama business hated Alabama and Auburn and CBS for doing that because it just absolutely killed what was Black Friday. I enjoyed it because I didn't have to work on that Friday, but there now we, we have to get up early Friday morning. But, hey, that's just one of the uh, job hazards, I guess. For sure. Well, let's talk some Iron Bowl here, Lance. I mean, you look at each one of these teams. Obviously, Auburn's been on a downward trajectory. Bo Nix is out. Got some other guys beat up. Really struggling to put four quarters together. Alabama, on the other hand, coming in. They haven't been as consistent as we've seen in the past. But the roster for Alabama is so much further ahead than Auburn's, especially up front. Just, you know, overlooking the whole game. What are, what are kind of some quick thoughts from each side? Yeah, I mean, Alabama's offense playing at a high level. You know, if you would have told me, Jake, last week that – you know, Bryson was going to go a school record 559, and you were going to have the combination of Jamison Williams going almost 200 yards and three touchdowns, and Mechie doing his thing for 173, and Brian Robinson, you know, going 125 almost on the ground. I would have thought it would have been a 35 point game, but Alabama, outside of Mississippi State, is yet to really play a full 60 minutes. So I, I think the roster's good. I think Alabama fans have spoiled themselves trying to compare this version to 2020 which you can make an argument with 2019 LSU and maybe 2018 Clemson, some of the best teams we've seen in the history of college football. So maybe unfair to Bama, but there's just something they're lacking. And, you know, you look at the secondary, they've given up big plays. The offensive line, if you're an Alabama fan, they've given up 17 sacks, even with such a mobile, elusive Bryce Young over the last six games. So there's, there's definitely flaws with this Alabama team. And as far as Auburn goes, you know, it's they, Alabama's lost three of four in Jordan-Hare, three of the last four. With Bo Nix quarterbacking, I think this game is so different. I just don't buy T.J. Finley in his second Auburn start, you know, pulling this kind of magic out. To me, and this is really cheesy, Jake, I brought this on the show, and I didn't even mean to do it, but I use the acronym <laughs> TNT, turnovers and tank. I think if tank has a monster game, which he's capable of, 
and they'll they give can the turn ball. the ball over, which Bryce Young really hasn't done, then I think they got an opportunity here. Yeah, and, and look, you know, Lance, you've you've seen a bunch of Iron Bowls. I have, too. You never really know in this matchup, especially at Jordan-Hare, but just the Bo Nix effect, you know, his ability to extend the play, uh, as we saw against LSU, we've seen throughout his whole career. TJ, not as averse there. And then Tank, you know, if, if they'll give him the ball, you look at the second half of the South Carolina game, and you just thought somebody threw an invisibility cloak on him, uh, the way that Bobo wouldn't feed him. But, you know, looking at Brian Harson, Lance, in his first year, and I always, you know, first year's got to be a pass. you got to give a guy time to get his person in there, but just watching the way that Auburn has operated, what are your thoughts on Brian Harson year one? Well, you know, when they made the hire, Jake, I, I, I applauded the hire for it being an out-of-the-box hire. I, I don't mm-hmm. know how good of a coach Brian Harson is because he took over what was an elite Group 5 program in Boise State, and he didn't do the job that Chris Peterson did. He did a pretty good job, not a great job, so I thought it was kind of a strange hire, but I like the fact that Auburn went outside of the box finally. And then when Auburn was sitting just less than a month ago at number 13, controlled their own destiny, I was like, hell, man, this might be your SEC coach of the year. But now back-to-back blown 14-point-plus leads, only the third time we've seen that over the last 15 years in this conference. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to think. You know, Bobo obviously is getting questioned. Derek Mason going back to Mississippi State. And that complete meltdown and debacle against Will Rogers, he's being questioned right now. So I'm like you, man. Every coach I give a pass in year one, this is kind of what I expected from Auburn. I didn't expect them to lose to South Carolina in year one, but I expected six and six or seven and five. So this doesn't blow me away. You know, he'll get adjusted. You know, there's rumors out there that he might be looking elsewhere. I would be shocked if Brian Harson isn't back in 2022. But like you said, man, you got to give this guy a pass. And I think all in all, C plus, B minus job. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of pressure, a lot more pressure now on signing day for Auburn to make a mark after they've kind of fallen off a cliff. You know, you go eight and four, screw around and go nine and three, you can convince people on, you know, we're getting guys in here to get the fit and he can put on 20 pounds. You go six and six, you better be signing some guys with stars next to their name or people are going to be start asking a lot of questions uh, from the front to the back. But Lance, I do want to focus on this Alabama team and their ceiling this year as we kind of wind down. We're here with Lance Taylor from Next Round Live. Our buddies Jim Dunaway, Ryan Brown over there do a really good job. Lance, when you look at this Alabama team, and I know you have the Iron Bowl and they're not going to look past them, but we can look past. That's a great part about being in this profession. When you look at Alabama lining up with Georgia, to me, Alabama's going to have to, like you mentioned and we mentioned on this show, put a full game together, something we haven't seen. And right now, I think that's the difference in Georgia and Alabama is that Georgia's been able to play complementary football with an elite roster. Alabama has yet to find that. What do you think about the Alabama-Georgia matchup looking at what we're going to get in Atlanta? Well, I think what's fascinating is you try to tell me an elite offense that Georgia has faced. You know, I don't think one's out there. You know, Tennessee's got a pretty good offense now with Hendon Hooker, Arkansas in spots. Uh, But this will be by far the best offense they've seen. And I know they haven't played any tight games. They basically skull drug every team they've played. But this Alabama team does have potential to hang with them. And I think a lot of this has to do with the Alabama brand. But people have asked me for the last couple of weeks, what will the number be in Atlanta for the SEC championship? And, you know, about two months ago, I said, I still think Alabama will be favored based on the brand. But based on the inconsistencies over the last few weeks, I said, Georgia's going to be your favorite. I don't know how much. And then we see Circa released it last week. Georgia was only a three and a half point favorite. I'll so take it right that, now. It tells me <laughs> everybody's going to be on Georgia. Alabama obviously is going to have motivation. They feel like there is no margin of error at all. If they lose this game, they're more than likely out of the college football playoff. 
So I think it's going to be fascinating. It's an elite offense against an elite defense. What gives? I'm still not sure how good Georgia's offense is. You know, I had a conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, I can't name one skill guy on Georgia's team outside of Stetson Bennett. Um, so it is a fascinating, you know, in today's world of college football where everything's offense, Georgia's been dominant this year, but it's not like they've got a ton of first-rounders on that offense. So, you know, if Alabama's defense shows up like they did against Mississippi State, I think it'll be a hell of a game. Um, right now it's hard not to lean Georgia because they've been so dominant. Um, but I'll be over there. Hopefully I'll see you over there. And, uh, yeah, we'll be, be here. Yeah, man, y'all, y'all ought to come to the College Football Hall of Fame. We'll be here live, man. Y'all ought to just come on set, sit down, we'll chop it up. I'm sure it's going to be nuts in here. Uh, it was nuts Alabama, Miami. It was yeah. nuts Ole Miss, Louisville uh, here earlier. So it's going to be a good time. But, Lance, my last question, and one I, I devoted my whole monologue to, do you think Cincinnati deserves to be in the playoff? Oh, it's such a loaded question because I was – I know. This guy, I sit on this every Let's see, we're having a little... They went through Notre Dame. There we go. Notre Dame still got that outside shot of being a college football contender. And they beat Notre Dame by double digits. So if Cincinnati's able to close the deal against the top 25 Houston, I lean they should get in. I don't think it really matters. If I put in the other team that would get in to me, you're not going to put Notre Dame over Cincinnati, would be Oklahoma State if they went out. If those teams lined up on I think Oklahoma State might be a one on the fact since I don't think it necessarily matters if they're playing Georgia anyway. Yeah, well, I, what I'm interested to see is if Alabama beats Georgia, what happens after that, you know, kind of how the chips fall if Ohio State wins out. It could get real, real interesting here late. But, Lance, got to get you back on soon again, brother. Tell everybody where they can find your work. Uh, I appreciate it, and I uh, hope you guys have a great holiday. Yeah, hey, I appreciate that, Jake. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. At Next Round uh, Live, you can follow us on Twitter, obviously YouTube. We've got an app up, so jump on board. Um, if you like Jake's stuff, I think you'll like our stuff. we got a lot of similarities, man. And, brother, you do an awesome job over there. And hopefully we'll see you next weekend, man, for what should be an incredible matchup. And it's hard to believe. First time Alabama will be an underdog since the 2008 SEC championship game. Yeah, we know how it went from there in, in Alabama 2008 and on. But, Lance, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for the kind words. Y'all keep killing it. We'll talk again soon. You too, Jake. See you, man. Enjoy a football feast this Thanksgiving day by winning $150 on a $5 bet when you join FanDuel Sportsbook. New customers, this is your chance to gobble up 30 to 1 odds. Just place your first bet on any NFL team to win Thanksgiving day. I'm going to take the Cowboys minus 7 at home against the Raiders. The Raiders look absolutely dysfunctional right now. Cars struggling a lot. Cowboys coming off a game which they did not play well offensively against the Chiefs. Dak looked a little out of sorts. I think they bounce back at home, get a big win. I think they win uh, obviously by more than seven. I think they win by 10 or more. And look, FanDuel Sports Betting made simple, and they're always hooking you up with great offers. And this offer I'm telling you about is just one of the many reasons why I love betting the NFL on FanDuel. They're the number one rated sportsbook app in America. They're easy to use, and most importantly, they're safe and secure. And when you win, 
You'll get paid in as little as two hours. That's a pretty cool caveat as well. But sign up with the promo code JBOY, that's J-B-O-Y, to get in on the action and celebrate Thanksgiving by winning $150 on just a $5 bet. Remember to use the promo code JBOY, that's J-B-O-Y, when you sign up exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and older in present Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. New users only. $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated office market. Max bonus $150. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, brother. Lance Taylor does a great job over there. Love the next round, guys. Uh, They do a phenomenal job. Blaine, Booster Club, what are they saying? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like not paying attention to a safety demonstration on a flight. Most of the time, you'll probably be fine. But what if one day that yellow mask drops down and you don't know what to do with it? It's better to be safe than sorry. And the same applies to your online activity. Every time you connect to an encrypted network in a cafe, hotel, or airport, Any hacker on the same network can access your personal data, including your passwords and financial details. And it doesn't take much for hackers to hack. All you got to have is some cheap hardware. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling your personal information on the dark web. But ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that hackers can't steal your sensitive data. It's so secure it would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. I love how easy it is to use ExpressVPN. All you got to do is fire up the app and click one button to get protected. Plus, it works across all your devices, your phone, laptop, tablets, and more. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com wire. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com wire to get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com wire. All right, Ask J-Boy, Nate Kitchen. He's always in the kitchen. Hashtag Ask J-Boy. Do you see Bama keeping in within two scores? Against the University of Georgia. Three and a half point spread, boys. Two scores. I mean, look, I don't think, I'm not saying Georgia's going to win this game 55 to 10. I just think in the second half is when you're going to see Georgia put that late touchdown to kind of put it out of reach, if that makes sense. So I I could see a lot happening. I just know I would take Georgia minus you said, three. You said 14. I said 14. And a half. Like I could see, again, I could see Georgia. Holding Alabama to twenty to twenty-four points and scoring forty-one to forty-four. Like I could legitimately see, I could legitimately see a forty-two twenty-four. I that, that's kind of where a thirty-five twenty-four. So look, there's obviously a chance with Alabama's talent that that it would be under double digits and Alabama could win. But if I was a betting man, I think Georgia. You know, if I was going to do a pleaser, not a teaser, and you know, pleaser's opposite of a teaser. I'd take Georgia minus nine. Hmm. Wow. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. I'd, I'd, dan- I'd dance in the waters. All right, we got a question here from Drew Greason. Hashtag Ask J-Boy. With coaches extending their contracts, do you think Lincoln Riley will get an extension like Mel Tucker's? Well, if they're going to keep them, they're going to have to pay them a lot because I'm just telling you, LSU offered them a lot. Uh, I find it very interesting that we haven't, you know, really heard anything on any of the LSU front. You know, you're Mark Stoops a leader. Dave Aranda's a leader. I still think Aranda ends up at USC. But the longer you go without hearing something, I'm just telling you guys, Scott Woodward, he's like Houdini. You're looking uh, – he the elephant comes on stage. You look left, you look back, the elephant disappeared. So uh, – 
could this be a leverage move? Yes, it could always be a leverage move. To me, it's always a leverage move. If you're really interested, the leverage move is the backup plan. So yeah, if Oklahoma is going to keep him and extend him, they're going to have to throw the type money that you saw Mel Tucker and now James Franklin and some of these other guys get. It's exactly right. All right, I love it. Got another question here from Nate Kitchens. Happened last uh, Saturday. Hashtag Ask but What do you think about UGA giving JD Jordan Davis the rock and scoring that touchdown? Good for him. Yeah. Give Good the for him. Man. Good for him. He should be in the Heisman race. He's got a touchdown now, so y'all got to put him in, right? I love it. You know what? Let the big fellas eat sometime. When they brought in, I forgot who it was against, but they were like at the three. Georgia. They brought in Jordan Davis and the Carter kid, who are both just monsters, and all they did was run lead to that side, and you could have driven the bus from Conair through there. <laughs> I mean, he t- Jordan Davis just basically just consumed a person. Like, yeah. the person just became part of Jordan Davis. If I'm that person on defense, at that point, when I see them run onto the field, I know in my what head, do do? I immediately make a business decision. It's like Shannon Sharp saying, <laughs> right? you better call the National Guard, man. They're the only people that can save you. For some, you better call the National start, Guard. Yeah, I just start cramping on the play before. <laughs> yeah. I just start oh, cramping. Oh. I just go down. I uh, shattered we got, it. We got another question here from our boy out in Eugene, Eric. All right. Enrique. He, he, he's made it. He said, how should OT, he was hitting on this earlier in the chat. He said, how should OT be changed over time? I think one extra quarter and then back to the old style. After that's it, if it's still tied, then just leave it tied. Look, I've got no problem with I the new like one. I like it, man. What's I'm wrong like, with it? Why does everybody hate <laughs> They don't the new like one? it. Nobody wanted to complain when they moved the field extra point back in the NFL and all these other stuff and all these rules are changing. Now, in college, they changed the overtime to what I like. Yeah. The NFL has the worst overtime the worst of anyone. Overtime don't of anyone. do that. So at no, least you can be better than that. NFL overtime. It can end in a tie. Why? Anything that can end in a tie sucks, man. Miss me with that. Not only if that, I want can't tie, you still you know lose? What? If I want to tie, I'll go to Joseph A. Bank, bro. If I want a tie, I'll take my ass to Joseph A. Bank and go buy a tie. And I want somebody to win. Can't you still lose in the NFL without possessing the football? Look, they change it to where listen, you got like, a well, field goal, but it, still. You they're like, well, if it's a Thursday and it's under 28 yeah, degrees exactly. and Tom Brady sneezed less than three times before noon, you can lose. <laughs> that Penn State-Illinois game. Like, dude, it, you got two? It got to the point where they were running out of plays. That's what I love. Look, you get it from the two-yard line. We're going to find out. That's football. That's foot, that is football to its core right there. Football. Have we abandoned like our roots? <laughs> are, are you, have we abandoned our roots, yeah, Blair? Eric, Eric, uh, well, let me ask, Eric, why do you not like that? What, did, what happened? When did Oregon lose an overtime? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you? Overtime or yeah, something. Show me on the doll what Oregon did to you <laughs> in overtime. Uh, we got a question here from Jackson Carter, and that's Jackson with an X. So oh, I want wow. everybody to know that. The superhero? So. All right, he says, hashtag Ask J Boy says, who replaces Riley if he leaves Oregon, uh, Oklahoma? <laughs> He's Josh Heupel. I mean, to me, that's the easiest person to put in there. I mean, Josh Heupel won a national championship there as a quarterback. Somebody told me there's some beef. Yeah, maybe you haven't heard. Somebody told me there's, there's some beef, beef since between 2014. Josh Heupel and Oklahoma. Here's the bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, look, I, I would, I mean, again, it's a perfect fit, right? I mean, I don't think I'm crazy in saying that. I mean, Josh Heupel would be the first person you'd think about if Oklahoma had to replace somebody. Bringing in, bringing that up tempo style offense, I think it'd be a good fit. I'd say Josh Heupel. You sneak down, you sneak down to Arkansas, look at Browse for a little bit. Just walk down the stairs. Sneak down to Browse and look at Browse for a little bit. Hey, meet me at the chicken finger place. Let's talk about our future. The chicken finger place. What else you got? 
Okay, we've got another uh, question from Jackson Carly responding. He said, okay, hashtag ask j then who will Tennessee go get after Hypo leaves? This See, you're seeing the dominant. Yeah. We're going down the trail. <laughs> yeah. We're going down the trail. I don't know. Let me think on that for a little bit. I mean, if you look out in the landscape again, we talk about supply and demand. If we're looking at the dream within the dream within the dream, you know, you get to that third layer in Tennessee. Lane Kiffin. I mean, they just locked up Hugh Freeze for like 83 years until the next coming at Liberty. Four million a year. Congrats to Coach Freeze, by the way, friend Did of the they show. Nice. Yeah, they locked him up. Uh, that, let me think on that for 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 a little bit. Kendall Bryles eventually, but man, I'm just wondering when Jeff Levy's name is going to start popping up. It's just shocked me that we haven't heard more about Jeff Levy. Do you think Levy's trying to get a, a head coach job? Uh, yeah. Well, I look. You can always be trying, but I don't think he's sitting there like calling every three yeah. seconds. Like, you tip. How's it looking? <laughs> you <laughs> know, tip. Ball State. You look like you struggled. Be a, a bit Venables guy. You know, he's probably. He's my, he's I don't think Venables is ever leaving. I don't think Venables yeah, don't think is ever leaving. He, I mean, I don't think. I don't he's think he's ever leaving Dabo's side. He's like his. He's like his Draco Malfoy, <laughs> to his Voldemort. That's who he is. All right, but James Franklin. Let's talk about extensions. James Franklin at Penn State. And look, the question is, did Penn State settle or did they make the right move? I think they overpaid him to stay. I think they freaked out, personally. I think they settled more than people on the Oregon Trail. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, when I look at James Franklin, he's done a good job in Penn State. They've played Ohio State close. 11-9 and nine in your last 20 games. 11-9. and nine. And you're throwing those type of numbers around. You, you mind, when you guys look up the numbers for me? I forgot. Mm-hmm. I'm looking head. them up. But Penn State, to me, reacted to the, to the, oh, my gosh, they're going to take him. Who are we going to get? We're going to be bad again. It's a disaster. And said, how much money is in the vault in the capital of Pennsylvania, wherever that is? Go get all the gold bars out and give them to James Franklin. Look, James Franklin, to me, I think was very interested in the USC job. Yes. I think there's legitimate interest. Then they started not doing so well. You started not to hear his name so much attached to it. You started hearing Dave Aranda and some of these other guys. And to me, I think James Franklin played this perfectly. It worked. It worked. You remember when everybody was talking about his non-denial, denial after practice, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever. It worked. Yeah. The, the leverage it can always be the fallback plan. It's if like you're it's not, worth 8.5 a year. 8.5 until 2031, right? Yep. That's racks. <sighs> Woo! You're rich for a while, man. So now if you're James Franklin... Struggled last year, not in contention this year. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? You got that pay. You, you got just, paid. Uh, let me pull my bank you account. You got paid out of fear. Yeah. And people will say, oh, well, you know, he's done this for Penn State. He's done this for Penn State. Well, they won. His well, they first won. year. Like, His first year. They, yeah, the, okay. Coach of the year. Yeah, yeah, all yeah, that I stuff. Know, I get it. And, and that's one year, though. Yeah. I remember in 2013 when Gus Malzahn took Auburn to the national championship. And then in 2017, or excuse me, uh, and then everybody in Auburn freaked out. And then Stephen Leith decided to try and make Gus Malzahn the mayor and give him all the money in Auburn. Yeah, it's different having a girlfriend you don't live and then actually living yes. with your girlfriend. Yes. Now y'all living together. Yeah, you're living together. There's nothing you do now. Not, like y'all were together. Now you proposed and you're together yeah, forever. You're going to wake up and go to sleep. Because if, you, that if, last if James Franklin and Penn State get divorced, he'd take it every day. The house, the the dog, (laughs) the kids, the cars. You're going to be living at the Motel 8. They'll leave the light on for you, I guess. But no, look, James Franklin, and James Franklin's a good coach, Mm -hmm. and he's a really good recruiter. Penn State uh, is going to be fine recruiting. But you guys gave him the bag. You take the gamble. It's always a gamble. It's your money. You can do what you want with it. That's what we said about A&M and Jimbo Fisher. But I feel like you reached a little too much here. You reached a little too much, and if it works out, great. But if it doesn't, it's already worked out for James Franklin. 
Whatever happens, yeah, happens. He's set. Yeah. I mean, he's just stopped by Publix a second ago. Yeah. He's like, well, what do I want? I don't know all of it. Publix. <laughs> Give me Publix. aisle three. I want the Publix. I want Publix. Publix I'm here to buy the Publix. <laughs> but no, I, look, I, I thought they reached a little bit. What do you guys think? I, I think they reached a little bit. And this got a little bit of a Harbaugh ri- vibe to which, me. Which he's got a losing record. Right. This is a little yeah. hard. To Jim Harbaugh, they're, the only person in the history of the world. They're, yeah. They're, ex- <laughs> they're paying you I'm money kidding, to be, of. you know. Above average. Yes. That's what they're doing. Like, we want to be above average for a certain amount. Of, we might have a, a year or two where we go up above our ceiling. Well, but here's all this money. Just be average. Yeah. That's what I think it is. You I don't mean, think he's been above average at Penn State? Oh, I said above average. And I, I mean, said average. I mean, 11 and 9 average. in your last 20? I mean, yeah. that's, that's I can understand the COVID year. I can understand the COVID year. That's fine. But, I, but I don't that mean type average. Of money, I mean, like, average for Penn State. Like, what the expectations. I mean, they're in contention for the Big Ten East. You know, almost every year under him, right? Yeah, I, Which expect, is, I expect Penn State to contend. It's not like Ohio, you know, like where, like we talked about earlier, the standard is <laughs> the standard is to win the thing every season. I just look, look, I, I get it, I understand it. Why you why you did it? I just feel like you're doing too much. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Yeah. It's 2021. Mm-hmm. 2031 going to my my mind calendar is 10 years away. That's a long time. That's a lot of money. 85 mil, right? 10 year, 85. T- mel got what? 10 for 95? Big 10 throwing some bread around. So right you got 10 for 95 and then just I don't want to hear anything about SEC money and all this time. stuff. Do you Y'all really over here think, dropping the biz act Do you on really people. think this is the result of serious talks with other schools like a USC in the middle of the season or other programs and this just leveraged up to oh, this look, number? The minute you started hearing Franklin and USC, that price went straight up. Yeah. It went straight up. And I think I there mean, was legitimate interest there. He won the Big Ten East once. Okay. Gotcha. And then what happened? I mean, uh, no, they, in 2016, okay. uh, which I believe was, yeah, this year where he's the coach of the year. Yep. All this stuff, 2016, other than that. So you won, won the it. division, and then what happened? He won the, the Big Ten in 2016 and the okay. Big Ten East. Okay. Did he and replace then, Bill O'Brien? Directly? Was it a direct uh, I think it was. We need to look that up. Was it directly? I think he went to the Titans. That the sounds Texans, right. But, but, but again, you're 11-9 and nine in your last 20. He didn't get the extension after after the first year that we're talking about right now. Yep. That's a totally different story. Yep. We've seen three. Just like I talk about, oh, well, a coach needs a pass for a year. Again, Gus Malzahn took Auburn in the national championship in 2013. Then they didn't sniff it in 2017. They got their pants pulled down by Georgia in the SEC championship. But they didn't sniff it since. So what I'm telling you is that first year you go in a place. When they don't have the book on you, or the book's not as well written because the other coaches haven't seen you in this league with these guys, you can sneak some people. There is a litany of precedent of guys going places in their first year and balling. That that isn't something new. But after three years, after four years, when somebody shows you who they are, you better believe them. I'm just saying. You're 11-9 in your last 20. You tell me this all the time. This is a great, what he tells me, baseball, right? Major League Baseball. It's like a new pitcher. Like a pitcher that came up to the big for the first time. And you haven't seen him, right? You haven't seen him. You don't know. You don't know the movement or anything to his pitches. But then you what? You start to see it. You start to see it. And you start to understand and recognize, all right, this is what it is. Right, this is what it is. And the same thing happened with James Franklin. They had a great year. The first year, boom, everything blown up. You won the Big Ten, the Big Ten East. And from there on, you know, your next year was okay. But from there on, you just been decent, above average. You just paid him a lot of money to be above average. True. All right. Well, Auburn's down 45-34 right now. we got a pre-recorded interview with Bruce Pearl. Uh, check that out. He talks about the UConn matchup as they're down 11, jumped out to a lead. Then UConn punched right back. Let's bring Coach Pearl in here. All right, very excited to welcome in one of the best in the business. They have a huge one uh, against UConn coming up. Two ranked teams, and that is head Auburn men's basketball coach, Bruce Pearl. Coach Pearl, it's always an honor to have you on, my friend. 
J-Boy, what's going on, man? You're killing it. <laughs> uh, well, well, like I told you earlier, man, I'm, I'm trying to get like y'all. I mean, off to another hot start uh, in the top 25. Nice comeback win against South Florida. Got tested a little bit. Uh, Coach, what do you know about your team so far going into this big matchup and, and what I know you and your squad are looking forward to? You know, I, I think the best thing about them is they like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, you know, so many new pieces, but they work really hard in the offseason to prepare as a team, but actually just to become close, to become, you know, the kind of folks that are going to be lifelong friends. That's yeah. going to serve us well because we're going to we're going to get we're going to have some adversity, um, you know, uh, especially early on. And the, the reason simply is we've just not played much together, and there's so much. Everything is new. Everything is the first time we're seeing this, the first time we're seeing that, and that's part of the reason why we haven't really played well yet. Um, our, our, our deal is this: let's win and get better. We got to try to do. We got to try and do both. Uh, and obviously, the winning part will be will be challenged here in in uh, in, uh, in the Bahamas. But but what an opportunity to, mm-hmm. to be in a field with so many incredible programs. And, and coach, you know, we talk about culture in the locker room and football all the time. And, and you know, we, we cover football, you know, like a blanket. But, you know, with the transfer portal and the way basketball is, uh, how big of a challenge is it to be able to take guys from different places, whether it's KD Johnson coming in, whether it's Wendell Green coming in, a young guy like Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler coming from North Carolina, and being able to have that togetherness? Because to me, we know they're talented basketball, uh, uh, talented basketball players. But at the end of the day, the most important part is them playing together. How challenging is that as a staff and then as, as a locker room and uh, as a whole to get that done it's challenging that that is the great challenge and mm-hmm. i think the thing is it's like we talk about learning and getting better uh, learning our system what do we do uh, how does it work better and, and and how won't it work if we don't do certain things mm-hmm. and and the only way you really can teach is through that trial and error you can try to do great things in practice but it's but it's awfully difficult so we've got to be able to have these experiences. Look, our best practices have been our games, uh, where we're where we're, we're sort of put to the test, and um, and 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 you gotta you gotta learn from your exams. Uh, when you get an A or when you get a C, you still have got to learn from your exams. And so that's the fun part of, of trying to of trying to find a way to put it all together. And you know, it, it, it's amazing. We're going through scouting reports, and, and we're going through a scouting report right on on UConn. And, and look, the scouting report is complicated. Why? They're a talented team, and they're extremely well coached. And these are the things that we've got to do within the framework of what we do. It, it, the science of it probably blows my guys away. Yeah, and uh, Coach, uh, I'm going to get to this UConn matchup because it's the first, you know, I'm not going to say big test. You guys, you know, in basketball, it's a little bit different than, than football. You know, you guys have reached out and played South Florida and, and other teams that we know are going to have success down the road as we get toward tournament time. Uh, but something I've talked about on the show for, you know, really since its its genesis is the steps that the SEC has taken as a conference basketball-wise. And I know the season's young, but just looking around the league at the talent from top to bottom, uh, it, how, how has it been just from your view? Being, being an SEC coach and looking at it at the league around you now, it's not a two-league team anymore. You can lose any game on any <laughs> given night. No, you're right. And 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 the bottom line, and I had told this to Mike Slive even back when I was at Tennessee, Jay, and I said, listen, Mike, what, what made the ACC what it was back in the day or the Big East what it was back in the day? It wasn't just Duke, North Carolina. It was the depth and breadth of that conference when the other schools were great and won national championships. Same thing in the Big East. Mm-hmm. You've got that right now in the SEC. There are literally 
Okay, there are six teams, I think, that are ranked. There are two that are getting votes. Uh, there are nine to 11 teams in our league that could make a very strong case to be an NCAA tournament team at the end of the season. There are probably only a couple teams that are going to struggle. And so, yes, it's getting to be more like SEC football or SEC baseball or SEC softball <laughs> or SEC swimming or SEC everything. For, uh, for sure. If the SEC played Quidditch, they dominated that too eventually. It just, I bet you they'd be able to recruit. Uh, but, Coach, you know, a big one with UConn. Uh, what are a few things, and, and not asking for the secret sauce here, not, not asking for where the ball screens are going to be set or anything, but, you know, what are a couple things that your team has to do uh, to not only be able to stay with UConn, but to beat him? Because, again, this is going to be a really good challenge yeah. for, your, for your club. Yep. Uh, like you said, you're learning uh, every step of the way. Yeah, you know, the bottom line is physicality. Uh, the game is the officials across the country um, have definitely allowed uh, uh, more contact. I, I would I would venture to say if there were studies in the first two or three weeks, uh, fewer free throws, um, and 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 I think it's been it, it's very even handed. I'm not, it's just that so bottom line, you play against a physical UConn team, you got to be able you better have a screen, you got to be able to work to get open, you got to be able to score through contact, um, you got to be able to defend uh, physically. Probably the number one thing they do better than anything is offensive rebound. They will send four guys to the off. No, excuse me. They will send four men to the <laughs> offensive board. And so when the ball gets shot, if our guys don't turn and run to their men and stay between them and the basket, mm-hmm. it'll be really, really difficult for us to win. If we can, if we cannot get slapped around on the boards, we got a chance. No doubt. And again, we always talk about the trenches in football, right? The game's won and lost up front. I, I tend to think in basketball, it's won and, lost, uh, won and lost in the trenches off the glass. But again, you know, Coach Pearl's forgotten more about basketball than I know. But Coach, last question. I'll let you run uh, out in the Bahamas. Big matchup against UConn coming up. Uh, you know, you, we know the energy that, that, that there is in Auburn for basketball. But how, how much fun has it been having the jungle back uh, to, to pure peak jungle form uh, this basketball season? Well, it's, it's been unbelievable. Uh, we've got the best home court advantage in college basketball. Uh, it's now a culture. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's an impossible ticket to get. And, and, it, and it'll remain that way as long as our kids continue to play hard. And can, and can play competitively. When we took the game at South Florida, I knew that our fans would travel. Um, and, and as a result, we created a more neutral setting, uh, which gave us a chance to come from 12, 12 or 15 points down uh, against South Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the environment here is going to be amazing. Look, we would never have gotten invited to the Maui Invitational years ago, not just because our basketball teams weren't competitive, because we didn't have a fan base that would travel. Mm-hmm. Okay, now... Now ESPN is looking for Auburn to come to events like this with Michigan State's and UConn's and Baylor's and Syracuse's. And so the program's in a great spot. Mm-hmm. we got to take advantage of this opportunity this weekend. Definitely, and that's what we call flipping the script. Coach Pearl, I appreciate it, brother. Good luck out there. Y'all be safe and look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay. All right, Jeff. Keep it going, man. Sounds good. Always love it when BP hops, uh, hops on. Uh, they're down right now 13 to UConn. Long way to go in this basketball 13. season, man. People that get mad about basketball in, in November and December. It's in football. Uh, this isn't, yeah. That's not how this sport works. You lose early and be I fine. always laughed. Auburn, <laughs> their final four-year, lost an exhibition game to Barry College. And everybody's like, we're not going to win a game this year. All of a sudden, they're the best team in the country. Uh, look, it's basketball. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But appreciate him coming on. Blank, we got John Parker Wilson. Coming on here uh, at four, 
Do we want to go to bets before that? Do we want to go booster club? How yeah. do you want to play it, Ken? Let's do it. Let's Balch you take some questions first. All right, let's take let's some do questions. Some question or two, and then the picks, and then get to John Parker. Let's do All it. right, we got a question here from Magic. All right, hashtag oh, ask oh, J Boy. Oh, it's Magic. You know. right, is Auburn a destination school for coaches, or do you think coaches look at it as a stepping stone to a better SEC school or possibly the NFL? Well, I mean, I, in if, football or all sports about or football? football? Yeah, football, I'm guessing. We'll assume football. We'll assume football. Right. Here's what I'd say, Magic. I mean, Auburn's shown you the ability to win national championships and be able to play in it. I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you got to say Alabama and Georgia have obviously been the most dominant, but Auburn's been in that tier right below it, you know, with LSU and Florida. And, and when it hasn't been Alabama or Georgia, it's been Auburn. So so if you're, if you're talking about going, you know, using it as a stepping stone in the SEC, no, I don't think so. Stepping stone to the NFL, of course. I mean, there's a lot of jobs that are stepping stones to the NFL. I think that's a different category and a different argument. But if we're arguing if Auburn is a stepping stone in the SEC from a football standpoint, nah, not in my opinion. It's a destination. Yeah. I don't think Brian Harson would have left the West Coast to come all the way to Auburn for it to be a stepping stone for another SEC job. I think you're in the best conference and the best region in the country for college football at a place where you can have a chance uh, resource-wise now, especially with the new football football facility, the $90 million football facility. I think it's a destination, not a stepping stone. I would agree. All right, we got a question here from Drew Greason. Hashtag Drew, Drew. And he says, and you said this multiple times on the show, he says, why can't the Georgia Bulldogs invest into their basketball program more? This to me, the, the two biggest conundrums I see in college sports outside of the stupid stuff the NCAA does is how Texas isn't legitimately consistently dominant in football and how Georgia is not one of the best college basketball teams in the country. And we, you know what? We had J.J. Frazier on. This is before we signed with the volume. This summer, talking about this. All-SEC guard from Georgia, playing overseas, good friend of the show. Uh, hits me up all the time. We talk about bets all the time. Shout out, J.J. But he said, listen, they haven't hired the right guy. He's like, Tom Green can't come in here and talk to these Georgia kids and get them. You got Bruce Pearl and all these other people coming into Atlanta and Georgia and just snatching all the talent. Georgia per capita has as much talent in the three major sports, baseball, basketball, and football in high school, as any place in the country on aggregate. Tom Green's not the guy. They haven't hired the, the right guy. If Georgia gets the right guy in there, and from an investment standpoint, if Georgia's winning in basketball, I promise you they'd invest. But there's the problem. you got to invest to win. But you need to have the right guy there. It needs to be that perfect storm. And they haven't hired the right guy. The minute they do, and he can just keep a few of the Georgia guys home, They'll be basketball. You can flip really quick. There's five guys on the court at once. Rosters are much smaller. So when they finally make the decision to hire the right guy, then you'll see the investment come. Then you'll see the success come. But for now, they're still a sleeping giant. It's just the truth. Let's get to one more and we'll get to bets. All right, I got a uh, question here from John Schmidt. What's up, Schmitty? All right, hashtag Ask Shayboy said, which Saban assistant that left for another job has hurt Saban the most overall? <laughs> Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher? He's the only one that beat him. Um, you know, if I had to look in everything, if we're going to talk about hurt, that obviously means success and results on the field. If we're going to talk about who's hurt him the most, it has to be Jimbo. He's beaten everybody else. You could say Kirby's gone head-to-head with him and beat him some in recruiting, but Jimbo beat him on the field. That's what matters. So I would say Jimbo Fisher. Now, I know he's not one of the newer Saban assistants to be let out to pasture to, to find their own way. It's like the bird in the nest. It's like Saban keeps you in the nest long enough until one day you're just kicked out and you better fly, be able to fly on your way down. Lane at FAU, Mario, all these guys, and they have. He's given them the tools. He's obviously taught them well. The Saban tree with the nest. See what I did there? It's the trust tree. All right, let's get to bets. 
Then we'll go back to the Booster Club for, for a second. Then we'll let John Parker Wilson take us out. All right. So here's what I got. Good night last night. Another night in the green. Shout out Ball State and Buffalo hitting the under first half, mm. 30 and a half. And how about the NIU Western Man. Michigan overhitting for my boy. And then my brother, the first, it, there was seven points scored. <laughs> Let me, I, I figured out the, the, the algorithm for the Mac when the Mac's playing. However it starts, it's going to end the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if your bet's doing good early, you're screwed. If it looks terrible, congratulations. Go ahead and just prepay for something because you're going to hit. Uh, last night there was seven points, seven nothing, thirty the, and a half. And of course, game time decision. Northern Illinois, who's already wrapped up the MAC West, decides to trot some thirteen-year-old out there who hadn't thrown a pass since yeah. his junior year of, of Boy Scouts or whatever it was. And the over uh, still hit. Yeah, and the over still hit. I had the TTP for NIU at twenty-seven oh. and a half. Backup quarterback still almost hit it, but Blaine took the first half uh, over thirty and a half. Seven and nothing with 13 minutes to go in the second quarter. Dead to rights. All of a sudden, the fullback from Northern Illinois pops one for 98. (laughs) I thought it was done right when I heard, when the backup quarterback for Northern Illinois started it. That's one of those where you just like look at each other like just for a second and just hurt. Sorrow. And you knew it. Somehow it still hit. So we've got to stay hot. Let's do it. We've got to stay hot. Here's what I got, and here's the way we're going to do it. For tomorrow, right? Because we're not going live tomorrow or Friday, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to drop our picks. Y'all follow me now. This is a little inception. Dream within the dream within the dream. Leo, put the briefcase down. Anyways, today we're dropping our picks for tomorrow. So Fresno State plays San Jose State. Ole Miss plays Mississippi State in the Bowl of Eggs. Then then tomorrow (laughs) I'm going to tweet out our Friday picks because there is a – Oodles of noodles amount of games <laughs> tomorrow. It's a straight slate, and there's some good ones. So we're gonna drop our picks. Uh, we're gonna go three Friday picks. Here's what we're gonna do, boys. Lock this, quilt this in your memory blanket. Three Friday picks tomorrow. <laughs> Blaine, stop making that. Blaine, please do it. Show what Blaine's doing. Can you show? I don't know. I'm putting it in my memory bank. <laughs> Gee, <laughs> you're like right, one, of those, do- one of those the, one of those remote viewers that you like, used during World War II. They're like, "Where's the bomb?" <laughs> like, wait a minute. All right, I'm, I'm hold on. I'm in Yugoslavia right now. But no, uh, so well, we're we, gonna do we need three tomorrow, three tomorrow for Fridays, and two Saturdays for tomorrow. And then Saturday morning, we're gonna tweet out some more Saturday picks. So stay by. You better follow us at the J Boy Show on Twitter and Instagram, the J Boy Show on Facebook. And can I just ask you something real quick? What is Meta? That Zuckerberg's doing. Mm. What is that? Is it true virtual reality? Yeah, it's. Uh, is, are they Ready Player Oneing us? Have you seen? No, it's not even Ready Player One. Have you seen Matrix? I don't, I don't want those those nothing to do with it. I want movies. nothing to do with it's that. It's not that cool yet, guys. Like it's not yeah. that cool. So yet. you want a red pill, blue blue Wait, pill? Wait, no, no, but honestly, I thought they just drank Jameson and then went outside and. Oh, yeah, that's well, that's, that was the old meta. That oh, was okay. the 1700s meta in Ireland. But so it's just you put on VR goggles and you're like in Facebook. Yeah, so it's a virtual. Like it's like a. a I haven't gone too deep into Don't it. But it's just it. a virtual reality. That's what it is. Don't it's trust just, it. It's that you put on the goggles, the little hand things, and you're a person like in the world, but not the world. Like you go out. So it's Ready dude, Player One. Like you, but it's not. It's like you're not going to other planets and fighting so aliens. So is this and stuff. like the Atari like you're version on of VR like how cool and going to walk around the park? I don't okay. know, but I want no part in it. I want no. Keep me out of that. I don't want any part of that either. I don't want a part Get of out, anything. Walk. Yeah. You know, yeah. go to the park. I don't want a part of anything where I have to put something over my eyes so I don't yeah, know I don't what's tr- going well, on. Anytime Zuckerberg's boy, Zuckerberg wears all, all black to explain something to me, I just yeah, instantly I think it's Yeah, I saw Zuckerberg bad. look me in the eyes and say, "Well, when I was human." Yeah. At that point, I stopped <laughs> yeah, doing anything I'm out. associated. Anyway, I digress. Here's what I like tomorrow. 
This is my virtual reality. <laughs> Give me Fresno, San Jose State over Ooh. 51 and a half. I love what Coach DeBoer is doing out there. Hayner's a witch at quarterback. I just need San Jose State to score enough. Spartan up, guys. I need y'all to score enough. I think Fresno's going to score a decent amount. I think this is a 34, you know, 34-21 game, 34-24 game. Get that. it over the 51 and a half. And then yeah. give me Ole Miss. Plus a half point first half. First half. First half. So if they're winning at the half or they're tied at the half, they win. I think Matt Corral shows up. I know Will Rogers is hotter than Hansel at the Male Model Awards right now, but I think Matt Corral shows up. Dirty Matt out there just dirtying it up. (laughs) All right. All right. That's what I got. That's what I got. One to know yesterday. Can't believe it hit. I'm going to be honest with you. I was legitimately after the first quarter, I literally almost walked upstairs. I was like, I'm not even going to watch this. You did. You walked upstairs and walked back down. Yeah. Well, I saw the 98 yard fullback start taking off. And I was like, there's no way. You want to know the type of person Blaine is? Like, I sit there and watch the whole game because of all y'all's bets. The minute. The minute that last second clicked off the first half last night, he just ran upstairs. What? His shower, bedside, I literally no, I literally screamed up there. I was like, Blaine, are you going to watch the rest of this game? I thought you had first two first halves. Well, I'd still watch it because Cone had the over, you selfish ass. <laughs> well, you know, I can look at the score I don't want to hear your, you know, you know what? How do I get painted out to be the bad guy? Because you situation? are the bad guy. Gee, you dress up like fine. Emperor Palpatine that's every fine. other Thursday. You are the bad guy. That's fine. I would take the power out to your house, but it's mine too. It is. There's a disturbance <laughs> in the forest. All right, this is what I'm taking. This is what I'm taking. Oh, Miss Mississippi State, why would I not take this over? Because, uh, why would I not take this over? Oh, Mississippi's going to throw it 90 times, and Ole Miss is— In the rain? Yes. It's going to—look, it is— no, I don't Noah care. may pull I up with an care. arc. It's going to rain so much. I don't care if there's a hurricane. He may be just getting on the, the animals. In the section, it doesn't matter. This game That'd will be 40-30-something. to 30 something. Yeah. Something will witch around in the last five minutes, and they'll score 21 points. It's Matt Corral. It's Will Rogers. It's the Egg Bowl. It's 64 and a half right it now. It was just 63 and a half. Half and went back up to 64 and a half. So 64 and a half. I'm taking the over. You're taking the over 64 and a half. Where are you yes. taking it at? 64 and a half. Wow. All right. Do you have another That's pick what for tomorrow? Right or is now. that the only one you're taking? No, I'm, this is what I'm taking. I'm taking San Jose. If you let me get to it. All right. Can I, can I get my okay. bets out? Yeah, go ahead. I appreciate it. Uh, anyway, San this Ho- is a Winkles pickle. <laughs> no, go ahead. San Jose State plus seven and a half versus Fresno State. San Jose State at home. I think San Jose State's going to score more points than what people think. I think this will be a four-point win for Fresno State. Nice. Boom. Nice. All right, David. All right. Listen, I got okay. Ole Miss as a <laughs> sharp them. early at plus one and a half. Love it. Last I saw, it had gone up to two and a Who half. Who cares? Don't know what it is now, We're but riding. I will honor that. I'm going to honor that. You that are was the sharp. Guy. One and a half, right? Uh, rain, no rain, whatever. Figure out a way to win. And then tonight, or tomorrow night, I want Fresno minus three and a half first half. Like that. And you can still hit yours. Oh, for sure. You still got yours. We're, all, we're bet buds. Look, be up 30. Look, look, look. Fresno, be up 30, 23 at half. Hainer. Witchcraft. Wizardry. I, like I love that. Want to know so far? Let's I like it. What does the Booster Club think about it, Blaine? Somebody in the Booster Club throw a bet in there. I'll, I'll, I'll say it out live. Okay, yeah. They got to throw a bet in here, so I got to wait I know, but when it. they do, just read it. It's okay, not going to take long. I will. I'll They're listening that. and watching or right. watching and then Deion listening. Deion Green said, here we go. Yep, I love dot, it. Dot, dot, dot. I'm waiting. Yep. All okay. right. You tell me when. We're going to get John Parker Wilson in here in one second, but, but I do want to say something else. I want to make sure everybody hears this. I have got... The perfect idea. I'm going to unveil this next two to three weeks to fix officiating 
in college football. Completely? Completely. No more errors. No more errors. Because it's, like, it's like when Tesla went in for Westinghouse to try and get the, the hydro thing put in the Hoover, the Niagara Falls Dam or whatever it was. Does this involve like Meta and Oculus Look, Rift it and involved, robots? There's blueprints. You're there's ju- scientists. You're Julian Assange? Yeah. Wait, don't say that too loud. <laughs> it's like, who's in here? Oh, God. Anybody throw anything in the Booster Club bedwise yet? Um, Mike and M says Oklahoma plus four and a half. Wow, that, that line keeps going up. Mm-hmm. It started at three and a half. It's at four and a half now. And I wonder if Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma if you don't hear some news coming out of Oklahoma. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Wait, yes, I did say it. C.J. Franklin said Oregon State money line. Who does Oregon State? <laughs> Oregon, right? Has no, I'm be. tripping. I'm tripping. It, no, it's, it's Oregon, right? It's Oregon, be, Oregon right? State, right? Yeah. Look that up. Anyways, all right. Let's get John Parker Wilson in here to preview the Iron Bowl, one of our favorite guys to interview, former Alabama quarterback. We also give a shout-out to Cecil Hurt uh, as well, uh, uh, a guy that you know we have a ton of respect for here. Uh, prayers and condolences to his family. Let's get John Parker in here. All right, I thought we'd wrap up this Wednesday show by bringing in uh, one of our favorite guests. It's Iron Bowl week. Uh, who better? Uh, you know, we've got Bo Nix coming on later in the week. Why not bring an Alabama quarterback in here? A really good one. Uh, John Parker Wilson, you can catch him now with, with Eli Gold. Uh, does an unbelievable job. But, uh, JPW, before we get started, I just do want to send uh, my condolences and, and prayers to Cecil Hurt and his family and, and the Alabama family. Uh, guy, you know, uh, obviously unbelievable at his job, and, and sorry to hear about his passing. Yeah, you know, very sad news. But the the the, I think you've seen the, for the Twitter and the different outreach people reaching out. I mean, he was a special guy. I remember mm-hmm. he covered me when I was playing. Um, you know, grew up reading him and and following him. And he was he was such a special person. Loved seeing him in the press box. And even when I was playing, I mean, he was one of those guys that was just an infectious person. And you know, he's going to be greatly missed. Yeah, and you know uh, the irony of it being Iron Bowl week—a guy that covered the Iron Bowl and and was a big part of it—and you know it's uh, again, like I said, prayers and condolences go out to his family. But uh, we got a game to play, JPW, and you looking at this matchup. You know Auburn on a downward slide. You know you lose Bo Nix, had a couple other injuries. When you look at this game from a thirty thousand foot view, just kind of your thoughts on it. You know, I, I think it's the Iron Bowl. It's a big week. It's a big game, and I, I've. Uh, been following a lot of players and the, and the media um, media availability for these guys and I love seeing that even guys from out of town, out of state, realize how important this game is. Uh, it's a big deal and, and you know you always say oh rivalry games you can throw the record book out um, and I think this is the case this year you know got first year head coach Auburn, he's figuring out how much this mean, this game means around the state. <laughs> uh, new quarterback come in, TJ Finley, so you can kind of do things that you, you maybe wouldn't typically do with your starter, kind of play around, tinker a little bit, um, and it's at Auburn. So I think it's a big deal. It's an extremely tough place to play. And, you know, Alabama's trying to get ready for Georgia in the SEC championship, but Auburn would love nothing more to wreck, wreck Alabama's season right now and put them away. You know, and we always release our keys to victory. We're going to be releasing them uh, later in the week as well. But, you know, looking at Auburn, I want to go over one for each and get your thoughts on it. You know, looking at Auburn, you've got to find a way to get explosive plays. You know, you look at that offense, uh, how many, you know, 60-yard touchdown runs have you seen? How many big explosive plays over 40, 50 yards have you seen? You're not going to be able to just, you know, try and three yards in a cloud of dust Alabama and expect, you know, for this to be a 17-14 game. Am I barking up the right tree from the Auburn side there? No, I think you're right. And I think, you know, when teams have, you know, A&M, a lot of explosive plays, LSU was able to keep it close. You, it, it's really hard to go 
um, sustain those drives against mm-hmm. this defense. Now, when they do get the explosive plays, it's kind of been when Alabama's been confused in the secondary, and we've seen some guys run free. Um, you know, Arkansas was able to do it and be pretty productive in that. So I think it is a way to do it. And, and also, with the way Alabama offense is moving, um, the other team offense has to be aware of that and put up points. Because right now, Bryce Young's got to click it on offense, and mm-hmm. I think they're going to expect to score some points. So if I'm Auburn, you got to hit those explosive plays and try to get some points on the board, especially early. You don't want to – you can't play catch-up with this offense right now that Alabama's got on the field. Uh, without a doubt, and you know, I talked to Bryce every week. We were talking Monday night, and and I talked with him about it. it seems to me like the past three, four weeks, the the timing in your head of when to take off is really starting to add up, and he's starting to become a lot more effective as a runner while protecting himself. And and he was like, yeah, you know, just game reps. I'm getting used to it, understanding, you know. And he made a good point. He's like, when I take off all the time, it's not because the protection's not good. He's like, everybody thinks that oh, I took off and scrambled. Yeah. That that must mean I had pressure. He's like, no, I'm seeing guys' backs turned, and I'm taking off and going. Which to me, as a defensive guy, is scary as hell, JPW, because the way he can extend the play, and if you're Alabama coming into this game, uh, you really have to stay the course. Uh, to me, trying to do too much would be your own downfall here. You've just got to continue to operate the way that you've operated and try and put a consistent full game together, which, I mean, I don't know if we've seen outside of maybe Ole Miss. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's It's been flashes at different parts of the offense. Um, you know, one week we'll be running the ball. LSU, we couldn't run the ball at all. I think the offense had pretty good um, you know, complete game for them with, with Ryan Robinson going over 100 yards rushing, two receivers over 100 yards. But I think you're exactly right. I think we're seeing Bryce, um, his maturation of a quarterback and just his first year starting. Um, you know, he was really efficient early. I think he got the deep ball going uh, middle of the season, and now he's putting the running game on there. And you're right. It's not He's not pulling it down because he has to. He's seeing what the defense is doing and saying, hey, this is a really good opportunity for me to run the ball. Or they get it covered downfield. You see protection really increase from Alabama. So I think Bryce has got it got it clicking right now. And, and his, his understanding what's going on and his timing is good. His knowledge of the game has is, is gotten so much better. And to me, he, he's, he's a dramatically better quarterback than he was the first game. And that's, that's saying something because he started out pretty hot. Definitely, and, and I'm very interested to see, too, you know, kind of Alabama, you, they want to be balanced. You know, B.O.B. wants to be as balanced as possible. But I feel like Bryce Young and them are going to take a few shots early. I would not be shocked. Uh, and something me and you were talking about before you got on here, uh, John Parker, is Alabama coming out and, and trying to take away the faith early. Because just like we talk about Ohio State going to Michigan, they believe in Michigan that they can win this game. Regardless of what the records are in the Iron Bowl, Auburn playing at home believes they can win this game, and we've seen crazy stuff happen. How big is is it for Alabama to come out in that first quarter and a half in that first half and try and implement their will and, and show, hey, we're the dominant team just like everybody thought we were? Yeah, and try to dominate Auburn. I think that's what Alabama wants to, wants to be able to do going into the Georgia game. Auburn's a tough place to play, like we said. And, you know, if you can get out on a lead, if you're a road team and you can get on the lead, you feel it in the stadium. You could feel, you know, the grumblings in the, in the, in the crowd good or bad. If Auburn gets out to a lead or, or, or is competitive, you know, they're going to feel a lot of emotion. So I think right now, Alabama, you, you let Jameson Williams go. This guy's got so much speed <sighs> and has been a major explosive player. So if you can get him going early and you hit, hit a deep ball early, that's going to soften up the defense and make it so much easier on the run game. So I think I, I think getting him going and, and even Mechie, he's been an explosive player too. 
makes the whole offense better because then we can start working in our tight ends. We can start running the running backs. And, and it's really um, a, a big explosive advantage that Alabama has right now. No doubt. And, and uh, John Parker, I do got to ask you my last question. Uh, before my last question, I got two more. Uh, grade Brian Harson year one. What, what grade would you give him? Uh, I think Brian Harson's done really well so far. And um, Auburn's sitting right now at six and five. I think he's got the program going the right direction. I mean, I like what they're doing offensively, and um, and and what? Hey, bring, bring, Are we bring, live bring right the, now? Bring in the screen. Bring in the screen. No, we're not live. Are we live right now? Yeah, no, you're good. Say what's up, dude. Hey, what's up? <laughs> what's up? What's up? Hey, you can Mark, join us for the rest of the interview. They can they can join. It's Iron Bowl week, man. It's Thanksgiving week. They can join it, us for the rest of the interview. It's Iron Bowl. It's Thanksgiving. But I think Brian Harson's done done good. I think. Um, I mean, I like where Auburn's program's at right now. If I'm an Auburn fan, they, they've, they've, they've definitely, um, I think, not turned things around, but really accelerated what, what Malzahn had going. Yeah, no, no doubt. And it's going to be interesting, too, to, to see it as it goes in his first recruiting class and getting personnel in there. But, John Parker, man, I always appreciate you coming, appreciate you coming on, brother. Uh, Sorry, guys. Tell those No, man, tell those, tell those uh, boys we said hello. And I know they're gonna, there's going to be some good eating going on in the Wilson household this week. Oh, no doubt, man. We're going to start today. Let's start Thanksgiving early. Hey, for sure. I know I am. Uh, right, right when we get done with here, I'm going to speed racer out of here and go get it started. But, uh, John Parker, I always appreciate it, buddy. Enjoy the football watching. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Roll Tide. All right. See you later. Two future quarterbacks in the shot there. Ooh. For sure. No. All right. So I want to wrap it up like this. Blaine, Booster Club, what do we got left? Oh, all right. Uh, we got some more bets. What do we got? All right. Notre Dame, minus 16. All At right. Stanford? Who's Notre Dame playing? Stanford beat Oregon. Listen, they're doing that. They're they're finding That's ways to geometry ECU and philosophy. ECU plus to stay fourteen in. and a half. I like. Look, telling you, uh, maybe it's gonna happen. I feel like the kid from Angels in the outfield. It could happen. I think East ECU's Carolina, only Houston. lost one game at home. I think, and that was by three well, to South Carolina. Yeah, they're yeah, and they're they're they got Cincy at home. They got that lefty. He's crafty, man. That lefty is crafty. He's like that lefty that throws like 88 to 90, but he can, can control I, the changeup. He's got the Zito curve. It's just a problem. I don't curve. feel like a lot of people are talking about this game, but this isn't a really intriguing game, a game to me. Louisville minus one versus yeah. Kentucky. Louisville's I a look. favorite. Who just thought that Louisville would be a favorite in this game? I look, like Kentucky plus one. Louisville hadn't been playing bad, man. They, they haven't. I mean, they haven't. But if Malik Cunningham can't run, yeah, make him throw it. They're in trouble. Like Louisville cannot consistently throw to a win. I think Kentucky's good enough with Pascal and all those guys to be able to keep Cunningham from beating them to death in the run or extending plays, and that's when you see Louisville struggle. Because it's not like, look, Louisville's what, 6-5? and five? Mm, Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're not. They're, they're three or four games they've lost by a like combined total of like eight points. Well, I'm sorry, you lost them. Yeah. Like in Kentucky, this this isn't a walk in the park. Yeah. Like, I like Kentucky plus one, but so, that is a sneaky game. You got Iowa, you got about. Iowa plus one. Nebraska's without Martinez. Oh, they're starting the under. Play. God, what is what is the over under like 20, 28? Yeah, it's probably eight. Yeah. Uh, then we got a question from Caleb Clemens. He says, "Who do y'all like, Florida or Florida State money line?" Give me Florida State right now. Florida is just in an absolute disaster tornado. Why not? Vacuum.com, whatever. Uh, but no, we appreciate you guys joining us. Shout out to the Booster Club. Look. 
We have no live show tomorrow or Friday. We've got some great pre-recorded stuff. We're not going to leave you guys alone. We're, we're doing our keys to victory that everybody loves. We'll be dropping all of our bets on social media. Made some today. I'm going to be tweeting those out. Drive safe. Don't drink and drive. Uh, make sure you hug everybody in your family. Tell them uh, how much you love them again. After all we've been through these past couple years, make sure you enjoy time with the family. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. And we will catch you next Monday. Now, I will. If something goes down in the coaching world, I'm bringing my mic. I'm bringing the laptop. We'll dive in. We'll get really specific. We'll win the water cooler. But make sure you subscribe to the Volume YouTube channel. And like the turkey, the deep fried turkey that gets put on my plate this weekend, we're going, going. Cranberry sauce? Don't you ever say that again. Ah, yes. Going, going, gone. You the blew it. The Show is produced by David Cohen. <laughs> Associate producer, Blaine Crane. Audio engineer, Faison Sharif. Executive producers, Jake Crane, Vince Thompson, Steve Chamberlain, and David Cohn. Voiceover announcer, Mark Aston. Please subscribe to The Volume on YouTube, where you can catch us live weekdays at 3 p.m. Win the water cooler with The Jave Boy Show. The Volume.